Hello and welcome to Footnotes the Cicerone podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Hannah and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today I'm talking to Mark Eddy, who is the author of a new book that's coming in September called Costa Blanca Mountain Adventures. Mark is an experienced mountain guide and he's spent a lot of time in Spain exploring this area and plenty of others. So he's going to talk to us about how fabulous the Costa Blanca area is and why you should go exploring there. So hi, Mark. Good morning, Hannah. So Costa Blanca, we're talking today. It's a bit of a gloomy, grey, rainy day. And I don't really feel like I need telling why I should want to go to the Costa Blanca, but <laughs> do it anyway for, for the benefit <laughs> of our listeners. Why, why, why should we go to the Costa Blanca? So Costa Blanca, which is in southeast Spain, is one of the sunniest places in Europe. I think it is actually the sunniest place in Europe. Winter time between mid-October to the end of April, the temperatures are pretty perfect for outdoor and adventurous activities, be that walking in the mountains, running, climbing, cycling, and all those things related to that where we're using a bit of energy and warming ourselves up. But we don't want to get, you know, but not, not wanting to overheat ourselves. And we're just doing those things in a really you know, beautiful, bright environment. That's what's really lovely about the Costa Blanca, and particularly living in, you know, as we do in northwest England. Like you say, it's pretty grey and gloomy during those times of the year. So it's like a, a bit of a pick-me-up, a bit of a tonic, just to get that blue sky for a little while and put a smile back on our faces and be able to you know, be active and not be wet at the same time. That's what's really great about the place. And that, that's the main reason why we, we should all be visiting it during wintertime. It's also a quieter place in the winter. You know, in summertime, much of all of southern Spain gets really busy, especially with holidaymakers wanting to sit on the beach and tan themselves, which is, of course is a really nice thing to do too. Come wintertime, those people have come back home. As it's not really beach weather, it's more activity weather. A lot of places to stay at very reasonable prices and just loads to do in a quiet environment. Yeah, because, I mean, you've got Alicante and Benidorm and places like that, haven't you, and Costa Blanca. So they're really, really touristy hotspots in the summer. But then all of these places, all that infrastructure, it's still there in the winter, but just with, you know, far fewer visitors. That's right. As you say, Alicante is sort of, you know, towards the south of the region. You've got Valencia towards the north of the region. They both have airports, you know, international airports. So it's very easy to get there. And between, you know, those two pretty big cities, there's this you know, coastal strip, firstly, with, with Lots of infrastructure, lots of places to stay and some pretty reasonable transport links, certainly very good transport links for for private cars and improving rail links all the time. And so, yeah, the infrastructure is there. Why not? Why not get there while it's quiet and use it? Yeah. So this guidebook is a little bit different to a standard Cicerone book in that it does have some walking and, and hiking in it. But the idea is that it's a it's a mountain adventures book. And this reflects the variety of activities to do in the area, doesn't it? So there's there's trail running, there's Via Ferrata, there's canyoning. And we say this all the time, but it's like an adventure playground for people who are into the outdoors. And, you know, if you wanted to go for a week of general activities, there's plenty to do there. But even if you just wanted to have a week of climbing, there's still plenty to do there. Oh, oh, absolutely. I was originally visiting the area as a climber for a number of years. That's pretty much all we did when we went to Costa Blanca. 
was climb, 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 climb. And it's wonderful for that. And we're still finding lots of new new routes and new places to climb. But uh, as a, a visiting climber, there comes a point where I think for all of us, well, there's got to be something else. You know, the, there needs to be some varieties, some draw to go back. And so we started looking and, and quickly found lots and lots of variety, lots of other things to do. I'd say now, like on our visits, we probably climb 20% of the time and the rest is doing other things because there's so much to do, much of which the the, the book includes, you know, as you say, you know, being for artists, canyons, the mountain running, the road biking, which is phenomenally good there. Most professional cycling teams spend a portion of their winter based in that region. And they do it for very good reason, because it's as good as it gets. And then, yeah, the trad and the sport climbing. And many people do overlook, visiting climbers at least, overlook the, the, the trad climbing on a visit there. And they'll just go with their quick draws and no trad gear. It's a brilliant place to go trad climbing. It really is. You know, you can do routes that are a thousand metres long. There's not that many places like outside of sort of big wall venues that you can do that. And so you said sort of October to April is, is the winter season. So how warm is it? Because, you know, going climbing on these big rocks in the middle of summer in Costa Blanca would be pretty sweaty. So <laughs> how, how warm is it in the winter? So like it, it varies quite considerably. Like October time, it's going to be most likely still in the 20s in the shade. But come November, December, January, February, you're going to be into probably no more than mid-teens in the shade. And then warming up again, usually warming up again in March, April time to starting to border back towards and, and into 20s and of course what the, the the sunny temperatures are going to be warmer than that so if you're on a south facing crag even if it's ten, the, the the recorded temperature is 10 it could easily be 20 in the sun when you've got a big piece of rock in front of you so pretty ideal to be honest and the weather the, the weather conditions are quite stable you know rainfall is low cloudy days are reasonably on i think like the the statistics show it's something like 320 days of sun per you know so so pretty pretty stable if someone was to ask me when you know when's the best time to go i'd be saying between so well december to march would be the optimum for someone living in northern england because it's it's about as gloomy as it gets here but it's still really quite good there yeah because that's the thing if you you know if you're into climbing outdoors in in the uk when it when it gets to sort of december you've got very few daylight hours and it's quite difficult to schedule the weekend of climbing with your friends when <coughs> you get to the weekend and the weather's just not great or the you know you think everything's going to be wet and slippery whereas you know you 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 almost could do a weekend in the Costa Blanca and have a couple of guaranteed days almost of good weather so uh, I've had friends come out and stay literally like that for a long weekend they're, they're hopped on a flight from Manchester or Heathrow come over done three days and we'll have got out all of those days that they'll have maybe climbed, you know, a big, we'll have done a big trad route, a couple of sport days, and they'll head back home having done as much climbing as they will have done in the previous three or four months in that weekend. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, it, it can be that good and that intense. Uh, so, I mean, like I say, we, we can't rely on it here on being able to do that. It's just too too variable, and that's not really what we get. What is uh, you know what you get over there? Yeah, there's always the unlucky times. It's got to rain everywhere, right? 
yeah. <laughs> it's just much less likely. Yeah. And I guess there's still some activities that you can do in the rain. It's not like we're afraid of rain or anything. There's just, so you know, some activities that it doesn't matter as much, like trail running, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Yeah, like you, and you got to pick your roots with things like that. So the the soil is different over there to certainly what we get in Cumbria. It's very clay-like, so it does become quite. Oh, what's the word for it? Kind of smother- yeah, yeah. How international the word claggy might be. <laughs> <laughs> it's sticky. Sticky. Yeah, that, that, that is it. Yeah. So it, it it does sort of smother your your shoes a bit. But pick yeah, picking the roots and that's fine. Certainly, we've done plenty of things in the rain. You know, visiting some of the big waterfalls, yeah, be that on a walk or a run, is really cool because actually, uh, t- typically, waterfalls and canyons will be that they own they only have water after very heavy rain. So, you know, mm-hmm. going having a walk and checking those out or a run it, is really quite a sight. And the locals will be out doing the same because they're just not used to seeing that. You know, so it's like that the, their local attractions, like wow, look, there's water. Oh, they go. they go out in the rain, do they? Yeah, well, they might they go out and look at like a spectacle. But, but typically, like you know, if if they had a like if local climbers over there were were due to meet on Saturday to climb, it's like oh, it's a bit rainy. Well, let's not meet then. <laughs> Let's meet yeah. next weekend because it'll be it'll be sunny then, won't it? Yeah, you know, like they, they can totally do. Whereas back here, we've got to be a little bit more. Well, hey, let's just go out and do such and such in the rain. Yeah, yeah. I've got family in Spain, and every time it it rains, it seems that all the locals just kind of run away, and <laughs> and yeah. you think, well, you you might be able to have that attitude somewhere where it doesn't rain very often, but here. If you just ran away every time it rained, <laughs> you'd never get anything done. No, no. <laughs> so, right. So we, we've clearly, there is a lot to do in the Costa Blanca. If you are a climber or a, a runner or a walker, anything like that. But how how difficult is it all? Is there something for everybody or is it a bit more tricky? I'd say there's something for everybody from a real beginner to the, the very experienced. So, I mean, let's take running, for example. There's a, a really good and friendly culture in the running world out there. There'll be really well-organized races all the time. There'll be numerous races every week. And some people take them really seriously. Others turn up and they'll walk. Some will be in fancy dress. There'll be a party at the start, a party at the end. You know, very much that sort of fiesta feel, if you like. And, you know, some, some some people will be bothered about their times they'll want to win but for many it's a social so you know you can go and do a, a 5k road race a 10k road race or there's ultras through the mountains all things like that all, all the races are extremely well organized i mean I've, I've done running races here and over in spain and they're light years apart you know you'll pay often like three or four euros to enter a race you'll, you'll be fed watered they'll give you a t-shirt and it'll be signposted you know, all of that goes wow. on you know, because the town, the town halls are wanting to, they want to promote good health, which is really nice to see, right? So th- there's more input, you know, and there'll be, lo- there'll be a local business sponsoring it. So so there's funding coming from elsewhere. And yeah, there's just a really nice atmosphere. But the little thing, you know, for, for those that are doing races, a bit of advice I'd give is what tends to happen. You finish the race, you know, even if it's just like 5K, for example, and there'll be you know, tables set out at the end with with, you know, with food and drink. And often the food the food will be pretty simple, just energy food. And the drink will be it'll either be juice or wine 
or beer. And, you know, you've got to be careful. You know, do you really want to pick up and swig a whole bottle, of, a, a whole glass of wine after running in the sun? Mm, maybe not. <laughs> so you've got to be a little, just like, smell before you drink kind of thing. But equally, uh, uh, away from races, it's not, it's not that kind of thing. It's not for everybody. There's nice, easy, flatter trail running to do right up to big stuff in the mountains. Take that into into climbing right from sort of 10 meter pitches that are like a you know grade three three plus which is very very easy to you know huge multi-pitch sea cliff and mountain routes some sport climbs some traditionally protected so you know there, there's there really is something for for everyone i think we've got an, a number of 9a 9a pluses in the region now you know so that that, that would attract the, the elite so yeah very accessible yeah so accessible in in all ways really you know easy to get to and and there's plenty to do for everybody when they get there exactly yeah yeah there's there's one picture in the book that makes me feel a bit queasy to be honest and it's just i'm assuming it's you on this incredibly exposed climbing so i guess there is some quite adventurous stuff as well but- there is some really adventurous climbing, yeah. The sea cliffs are really really adventurous in particular, and, and they have huge exposure. You know, anyone that's climbed by the sea will know it. Just being above the water adds another dimension that is you don't just don't find anywhere else in climbing so yeah there's some there's some pretty serious some pretty serious routes included you know in this in this guide so equally there's there's nice things for relative novices right through to you know those that are looking for they want to spice up their their adventure days and go and have a go and have a big adventure by the sea or up in the mountains and get a lot of space below their feet yeah i mean it's really good for the photography it's it's it looks really impressive when you've got these these photographs but i think yeah that's not that's not so much for me that that particular one (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) but you know you don't that's the whole point you don't have to do all of it do you You oh no you can just have a a day of this and a day of that and and it's a around. yeah that's that's what's so nice and we've got a couple of these mountain adventures books and we we do them for places where we really feel like there is that breadth of activities and the, there's so many things you can do. So it, it's kind of a, yeah, we, we don't do them for every single region. We're not trying to go, oh, gosh, we've got to find some cycling to do in this area. That's going to be a challenge. You know, it is naturally it's it's all available. And that's why we choose this type of book rather than a, a standard walking book or or whatever, isn't it? For, for sure, yeah, for, for, for sure. And so, yeah, the, the, you, know, you mentioned cycling then. So it, it was the Costa Blanca that introduced me back to road cycling. I think this was only like about three years ago now. I hadn't cycled for years. And a good friend said to me, oh, why don't you come out here? You're fit. Why don't you come out for a bike ride? Here's a bike. Come on. Okay. And we, he, he told me where we were going once we'd left, or I probably wouldn't have done it. And we cycled up this really iconic climb called the Col de Rats. And I was like, oh, I don't think I'll make it. I don't think I'll make it. And anyway, sure enough, I made it and all was good. Recycle bike is really happy. And I was completely sold on back to cycling. But it was, it wasn't just the action of being on a bike, it was being on a bike on such wonderful roads through this wonderful scenery. There's, mm. You know, you've got this silky smooth tarmac everywhere and just mountains to look at everywhere and uh, put the two together and it's it's just heaven you know it really really is and i, I just didn't look back so right let's get a bike and, and just keep going yeah sunshine and a sea breeze it's like yeah. there's not many things that like i just love being on a bike when it's 
when it's like that you know when when you've got that strong breeze and and you can just pedal along having yeah i love it yeah whilst we're talking about bikes is it possible to hire bikes when you when you get there yes it is and it's quite easy to hire bikes again this was this was all quite new to me only a few years ago and some some people were coming to stay with us in fact it was my partner's daughter and two of her friends were coming to stay i think i'm right remembering that and they didn't want to bring their own bikes they were just coming for like i think three or four days it's like why well, it's quite for, for that amount of time it's quite expensive to put your bike on the yeah. plane and bring it yeah. and you know there's possibilities of it getting damaged so they hired from a local rent, rental place and they got this, these three really nice bikes they said they were nice and they, they knew about bikes R- really lovely bikes and since then yeah that, uh, i've realized you know that there's actually a lot of outfits that will rent for you know typically like 25 euros a day you'll get a really up-to-date carbon bike you know with like shimano 105 or ultegra kind of group sets on it so yeah you don't have to pack your bike if you don't want it's just like you know get in touch with one of these people in advance so look, i want it for this date to this date and away and they'll even bring it to your house That's and pretty good. The, the, i think the, the 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 beauty about hiring as well particularly if you're somewhere new if you have mechanical issues you can just call them up and they'll come and sort it out you know rather than having your own there and if something fails thinking right well where's the bike shop is it a good bike shop you know that they just deal with all of that for you. a pretty pretty nominal fee really yeah so I think, you know, for anyone coming for a week and is going to do yeah. some cycling, like if they're going to cycle every day, yeah, maybe bring your own bike. But if you're just going to cycle for maybe half that time, better just to hire one. But even then, it's not it's not easy to organise getting your bike somewhere and you've got the risk of having it transported. And, you know, I think, well, I suppose it depends how how much you you prefer to ride your own bike. But I think it sounds like there's a lot of benefits to just having Especially, you know, you're you're hiring a decent one. It's not like you're going to get there and be given a, a sort of Boris bike for a week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that not being so fun. <laughs> no. No. The other thing that people always, always want to know is what's the food like? Oh, yeah, the food is. So Valencia is home to paella. There's a there's a lot of that available, and they are quite particular about how they cook it and how they serve it. I, I've, I've been told off myself before now for, for not cooking and serving it correctly. But there's a wide range uh, of very good food, I would say, all and all types actually, but a really good Spanish influence. A lot of seafood, you know, being uh, coastal or close to the coast, there is an awful lot of seafood available. You know, the ports. You've got ports in Valencia and Alicante, but also uh, in Denia and Altea and Javier. There are fishing boats come in and Calpe bringing fish daily. So uh, there is a good supply of fresh seafood and many restaurants are really good at making that into good meals at pretty good prices actually like everywhere in the world i suspect prices have been prices have gone up over the last six months and it's the same but it's still really good value so you, you can you can eat out like really well for 20 euros you know which well i think that's really good so the food's good widely available and yeah on the the good value side let's say yeah yeah and the wine's great too (laughs) spain is a really big wine producing country but yeah there are 
good grapes produced grown in in the region but, you know i guess what spain's probably best well known for is la rioja which is also not so far away so yeah lo- lots of lots of wine available lots of everything available really yeah and local olives yeah there are yes so don't eat them straight from the tree yeah yeah so because it's naughty for one but but also they taste they taste really bad and they're very bitter but yeah once they've been through the, the processing procedures they are really really lovely typically olives will be served as like a, like a little tapas as you know, if, you, if you buy a drink in a bar often you'll get some olives just with that it's not like a, it's not a standard procedure but many places will will do that for you or you go in somewhere for lunch and have a uh, order a sandwich, you know, toast hard or something like that. Olives will come as part of the deal along with your drink, just as a, a little aperitif, I suppose. So, yeah, olives are a big part of the diet. Yeah, it's interesting when you say about don't take them off the tree. I didn't do this with olives and I was younger and it was naughty and I did learn my lesson. But, you know, there's there's quite often there's orange trees in Spanish towns and and, uh, and and we we jumped up and grabbed a couple of oranges once <laughs> because they just looked so nice and there was loads of them and we just thought oh, it's not it doesn't matter we'll just we'll just have one little one each and we were dead excited and they were disgusting yeah and yeah so yeah it's like you know it's a it's the wrong thing to do anyway and then when you're you're rewarded for your cheekiness with this disgusting, inedible yeah, yeah. thing, that you've, yeah, it's just it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it now. So yeah, so the the, the oranges uh, they grow an awful lot of oranges around there too, probably more than more than olives actually. And it'll be quite common for you, you'll see buckets by the side of the road, and they'll be for sale. You know. Like, three or four euros for five kilos of, of oranges and they've not long since been off the tree and that they are genuinely very good typically um, five yeah. kilos of oranges yeah 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 so and because like that's a lot just to cut up and eat but a nice thing to do is just like you know chop them in half and juice them so you can have like fresh orange juice it's really really good so much so much better than anything else you could do with the oh, juice so, so yeah it's, it, it's real nice and yeah they're, they're super widely available you'll find at the you know weekly markets but but also just at the side of the street and there'll be someone nearby you know to you know, to, to take you three or four euros and give you a, give you a basket and say yeah. yeah thanks very much yeah you really don't need to rub them off trees you, you don't <laughs> that's right <laughs> honestly I, I, yeah. I'm grown up now I wouldn't do it now <laughs> So yeah, it, it is a big orange growing region. So, and for anyone that's there a little later in the year, so like you know, visiting in springtime, they'll be typically around February. But this is all a bit weather dependent, temperature dependent. February time, mid February, let's say, is the almond blossom that will come out and get all the pinks and this lovely aroma. Typically, a few weeks after that has passed, the orange blossom that will come out, which then fills just fills the air with the scent of orange, oh, which is just so nice. Yeah. So that would typically be, you know, like late March, mid to late March, I'd say. Something around there. It's very bleach here. So a nice time to be there just for that, actually. But, you know, there's more than that. They don't just harvest the oranges at one time. They'll be typically, they'll, they stagger the harvests. So there's lots of always plentiful supply. Well, we're going to have to bring this episode to a close because I can't cope with this conversation anymore. I really, really, really want to be in in the Costa Blanca right now with a, a nice glass of orange juice and, and a big sunny 
rock to look at. But yeah, I feel a bit I feel a bit sad about the rest of my day to come now. <laughs> <laughs> so grey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so great get back to my cold coffee stop complaining is, is there anything else that you you want to say about the Costa Blanca that we we haven't covered I think for for anyone that's already been to, you know, to other parts of southern Europe on a sport climbing holiday and they haven't tried Costa Blanca yet then give it a look you know check out you know ch- check out this guide have it just have a google and see what you find and give it a try because it is genuinely an amazing place yeah I'd say it's the premier winter destination for an outdoor activity enthusiast so just go that's a bold claim but you know try and prove him wrong that's that's all we're gonna say and the the guidebook that you've written that's coming out in september yeah yeah do you want to do you want to plug that Oh, absolutely! Yeah, wow. Costa Blanca Mountain Adventures—that's been yeah, been a, late, a bit of a labour of love, really. I think it's been about four years I've been working on this. So there's going to be around it's like sixty chapters, I guess. That's the best way of looking at it in there. So sixty different things to do be that a run via Ferrata, a canyon, a really nice cycle ride, some climbing, the, the, the list goes on. And the, the reason that I put this guide together is because there was nothing else out there. Information was really lacking. There's great, uh, the, there's already a really good guidebook for the sport climber. And that's kind of where it stops. Well, that, uh, no, that's not true. There's, there's, a, there's a really good walking guidebook as well. So you've got a walking guidebook and you've got a climbing guidebook. But that's two guidebooks. Um, and, and there's nothing to fill all these other gaps, like the <clears throat> the canyons and the Via Ferrata. So uh, we were forever looking, like Googling, or what's this canyon like, or what's this Via Ferrata like, or where can we get information for such and such? It was really frustrating to, you know, to, to be spending so, so much time doing this and often just finding fairly poor information. So uh, I decided to put this put this together to change that, and, uh, and, and the finished product will be there available from mid-September, I, I believe. It's And it's super well-researched, so go get it. Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of love and expertise that goes into these guidebooks, and, yeah, I, th- I think it comes through. I, I suppose I would say that, but... I mean, it looks it looks great. You definitely you've made me want to go to the Costa Blanca. The photos are, are great, and, and there is loads to do, and it's easy to get to. I'm not sure we found a downside, but I don't think we I don't think we need to. Um, there isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's it for the Costa Blanca. Yeah. Thank you for that, Mark. There's just very inspirational, and um, another one for the for the list. Great stuff. Thanks, Heather. Uh, thanks for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast. I'd love to know what you think, or if there's anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Please email live at cicerone.co.uk or leave a review on your podcast platform. You can follow or subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss new episodes, or you can sign up to our newsletter for all our latest news, events and guidebooks. Visit cicerone.co.uk for further details. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, come and find us on our social channels. We're on all the main ones as at Cicerone Press. And we also have a Facebook group, Cicerone Connect, where you can meet and chat to other outdoor enthusiasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon.